All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pervratsky with three Gopher Soccer stars here today. We have Megan Plashko and Megan Gray in the top right, Kenna Beisman in the bottom center. Thanks so much for being here, you guys. Thank, Thank you for having us. All right, let's let's jump in. A few of the things that I find most interesting, both for uh, Meg Gray and for Kenna, you both have had to play multiple spots this year, and both of those roles that you've both played have been a ton of minutes, but I think sort of different responsibilities. So, like, Kenna, let's start with you. You know, your first several years you were playing up top, coming in and in a slightly different system, but essentially playing as a forward, you know, out, out on the wing, but still. And then this year you come in and even even last fall, there's some drift of like having to play some outside mid because now we're kind of in a diamond. Mm -hmm. And then the last few games, you've been just living up top, just hanging out as a striker. So for you, what specifically maybe were you able to take away from having to play that different role as sort of a true outside mid who maybe tracks a little bit more, but still tries to get into the attack and balance things differently? What kind of things have you been able to take from that sort of into your um striker role now that you're sort of purely up top the last few games? Mm, I think a big part of playing in the midfield is having the work rate on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and I think that comes into play because we talk a lot about how our press starts with our forwards so still keeping those same like tactical responsibilities of knowing how to press and trying to dictate teams into playing the way that we want to defend and then pick off balls. I think that translates really well. And then just continuing to bring the things that I do well, being able to go at players is the same, whether I'm in the flank or kind of in that final third, more a little bit closer to goal. So just those consistent tactical things and then continuing to bring the things that I do well. And I know, and obviously you had that absolute banger of a goal you know a few games ago and you've you've been ripping some shots even before that you had like a rocket that went off the crossbar a couple games before mm -hmm. has having to play multiple positions done anything to how you approach like your own like shot attempts and finishing or is that just something that you're trying to keep tight no matter which position you're at I think regardless of where I'm at on the field, I try to be as opportunistic as possible, whether I'm, you know, maybe combining a little bit more from the wide mid spot or kind of taking things on my own or even combining with oftentimes I'm with Izzy up top and we'll try to combine and get good looks. But I think just trying to find my window and get some shots up for us is always a goal of mine. All right, let's go to Megan. And now I'm actually realizing, I think you guys are like positioning to have your own show or something. There's like a Megan, Megan branding. You're kind of, you're like both crushing black on um, that. You're like, this was, this was a strategy. I can tell, I can tell. So Meg Gray, you had, it was funny because when you were on the show last spring, it was when you had just gotten done showing so well as the holding head and then you got shifted back into more of an attacking role. This year you played in like an outside mid role where you were looking good and then had to fill in when, you know, Donnie was dealing with some illness. And so you had to shift back and play some holding mid. But for you, has that impacted you at all on the offensive side? Because I think one thing fans probably have noticed is your game isn't necessarily different. Like you're still bringing the same elements of your game. But to me, you seem like super, like even more confident or maybe more empowered or there's something extra that you're you're giving on the field sort of like no brand new category of skill that you're bringing but like 10 percent more across the board from you it seems like but has that been because of some of the positional shifting or is that just part of the fun burden of being a versatile vet that you have to like cover spots when needed um i think a lot of it is positioning i talked to you earlier this season about when i was playing holding mid just being able to be disciplined um and understanding when i can attack 
So shifting back and forth between holding mid and outside mid um, makes me realize that I need to be opportunistic when I do play outside mid and just kind of continuously creating chances for us to get in the box. And I think I appreciate where I'm playing more and more. It doesn't dem- like matter where, if I'm right. playing that holding mid or like the outside mid, I just kind of focus on that position that game. And, you know, I've, I kind of know what to do in both positions, but being able to like execute is really important. Well, and you've come back from, and maybe you're also secretly happy. You're like, at least I didn't have to shift outside back. So we're, we're good. I'll stay in the front six. But um, I think, and too, I was looking at your minutes over the years too, and it's nuts because you came in, you know, you and Kenna were that same fall season, but you came in, you were playing minutes right away. And I forgot how many minutes you were playing that freshman year, but now, Honestly, the minutes you've been playing as an outside mid are sort of bonkers. Like we have not had in the gopher time, me covering the program, an outside mid playing that many minutes. Like even when it was a three-person midfield, maybe you had like Fiedler and Heslid both playing both minutes, but it was never like then a third midfielder also playing almost 90 or 90 minutes. So, and I know you've always been fit. I mean, I think during Patricia and Sophia's uh, show, they picked you as both a 100 meter and 800 meter runner. You know, you're you're a beast in the in the fitness category. But has it been? Do you think you have sort of upped your fitness level this year, or is it just sort of an opportunity of they're keeping the rotation a little bit narrower and seeing if you can keep stretch those minutes a little more? Yeah, I think stretching the minutes is like a big part of it but I've also think I've learned to like be smart about my work rate like not running and chasing everywhere like sometimes I think that that's what I need to do to work hard but it's working smarter and not harder kind of thing so I think I've just kind of understood like when to press and when not to and different things like that to help me kind of be able to play the the time that I am Right. Because you still have a super high work rate, you know, like you're the one that will notice doing a big recovery run or whatever, but to not do that every single time and just yeah. run yourself into the ground. Yeah. Um, and uh, Meg Plashko, it has now drifted so far in the gopher soccer ether that even opposing broadcasters are talking about how loud you are. So your brand has really spread across the Big Ten. You can be proud of that. And I guess... You know, we've t- I've talked to you about that in post game interviews and stuff, but I'm I'm also sort of curious from your perspective, since you're so loud and so like audible for the whole team, does that make you like more or less worried about being wrong since everyone can hear you? Like, are you constantly like, I hope I'm also saying something right since everyone in the stadium can hear me super clearly? Um, I would say honestly, like my freshman year when I was learning like how we play here. That definitely was something I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I can't say the wrong stuff. But now it's definitely just, like, more important that, like, we always talk about, like, defensively. It's more important that we're all on the same page than it is that we're doing what's right because we can always go back and fix and be like, oh, we should have done this. But, like, if we're all on different pages and we can't, like, be going and working towards the same thing, like, it's going to be such a mess. So most of the time I just kind of say what I think is right. And I think, obviously, the more games I play in, the more – I understand like what is the right decisions to be making, but right. I mean, I try to not ever think about it because I can't really second guess when I'm communicating. I have to just kind of right. go with what I'm saying. Well, in a decent amount of what you all are commu- I know, you know, early on in the season when everyone was so brand new as a defensive unit, I was talking to you all so much more about it. And I know a big part of the communication you all are having is just regularly calling things out, just awareness raising of like, 
runner on the right, runner on the right, like watch 22, watch 20, things where it's almost just like, so that things are in the ether. So like things you notice, other people also notice. So in a way it's like, it's, it's not even a matter of necessarily right and wrong. It's like just visibilizing things for people. Like who cares if they're annoyed that I said it seven times instead of four, as long as they see the runner, like that's the point, right? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely just like making sure I can see everything on the field and it, I can see a lot more than what they can. And like I, definitely at times they're more worried about like the ball and not letting it in behind where I have to like make sure that they're seeing the runners as well. And like that's just like most of my honestly, most of my communication is just telling them where players on the field are, and like it, how they have to shift, like shifting or pinching. And right. I mean, it's pretty like game to game. It obviously varies, but within the game, it's usually the same movements that they're making all game right. long because other teams attacking in the same way. Right. Like, the, yeah, this team likes to send runners here. This team likes to send runners there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so we we will not talk a ton about the Purdue game. I will not make you all relive what is probably a very, uh, like, heartbreaking drop of a game. You, it was like an ultimate roller coaster of first half so good. Second half, obviously, Purdue storms back. But I in games like that, and there's been multiple games where a team plays a good first half or second half, for you, um, Meg Gray and Kenna, when you're a field player in a situation like that where just momentum has swung, you know, like it's all of a sudden the, the flow of the game is different, but you're only one player amongst 11. You know, what are what are things that you even try and take from a game like that to learn about? Like what's an individual thing we can try and do to start to swing the momentum back? You know, because it's kind of like momentum is like a tidal wave. It feels like, well, how do we change like the run of play in this game? But what are, I mean, are there things that you try and take from a game like that of like next time we need to focus on players checking back more or like doing whatever? Are there are there individual things to try and take from a situation like that? Um, I think one of the biggest things we talked about yesterday in film isn't even necessarily an on the field thing, but just how we respond and communicate with each other, like when we do feel that momentum shift and just like kind of bringing a calming presence, like just focusing on connecting a few passes, like everything's fine. Even if they score a goal, like we're still not losing, like in that game specifically, we had a two goal lead. So when the momentum started shifting, we still had the lead, but it kind of felt like things were moving against us. So just like, really putting the fact on like we're fine like we're okay just keep doing what we're doing try to establish the rhythm i think for a lot of that game specifically it just felt like they were continually running at us and we didn't have really a lot of the flow of possession so just like kind of starting to win some 50 50 battles connect a pass even get the ball forward to release some pressure just like small things like that yeah i think like i obviously agree with everything kind of said and just the fact that like one person's like actions can like like switch the momentum for our team. So if someone gets stuck into a tackle or gets a corner or like just simple things that kind of get everyone rolling together, I think would have been like really key to that game. Right. Well, and it's it's this funny thing too because the like you know you when it's that moment of pressure when the other team is running at you, running at you, you feel some urgency to then do something. But like you mm -hmm. said, Anna then it's almost you need to do the opposite of just like chill like we're yeah. gonna take it slow hold up play but having to do that while you're also like oh my god we have to change the run of this game you know like it's the it's the balance of everything in your head and it's this year's this year's team is so wild because like the highs are so high i mean like when the team plays to its potential 
it's absurd, you know, and it's, it's the type of thing where a lot of teams are like that in the big 10, where like the peak of their talent is so, so good. But I actually think it's even more above that. Like this year's squad, like when you're rolling, it's so, it's so fun and it's so cool to watch. So yeah, it's, it's brutal to have to do that, you know, game in, game out. And obviously you guys are well into the season, so it's a total grind too. So it's, it's a tough thing to balance. Um, and Flashgo, I know I chatted with you, especially after like one of the recent Big Ten games. You know, you you start off the year with those seven clean sheets and then you get into conference. And and like you said, it's not a secret that like eventually a team will give up a goal. You know, like the team wasn't going in like sunshine and rainbows, like we're going to get 20 clean sheets in a row. So you're a little bit prepared. But then, you know, I think um, I, you know, one thing that I've I've thought about is so much has been made of, you know, how well the team is using film this year. I think you all, multiple players, including you three, have mentioned elements of that to me of sort of how to take examples from a game, both positive and negative, and really use those as ways to sort of sear a visual into your brain of like, I know what it looks like to do this thing. But in particular with some of the, obviously a goal is so amplified because it leads to a score, but there's other times where defensive mistakes happen and no one scores and whatever. But talk about what you, you know, how you utilize film and sort of looking back at, you know, how players were rotating and how an opportunity came for the other team. You know, how do you, as a defensive unit, try and use those examples of like, yeah, we didn't want to give up this goal, but now this is actually a learning opportunity of we have an exact example of when you don't rotate or when you don't switch or whatever. How does the defensive unit sort of take advantage of if we're going to give up a goal, we might as well learn from it? Yeah, I think um, obviously like we, us goalkeepers do film a little bit differently because we like sit there and like we break down our positioning or like my positioning, right. like my footwork, my movement and everything. But like when we do big team film, we will watch like the like 20 seconds building up to the goal. We won't just watch the like 10 seconds that the goal happens in. We'll watch like the full field breakdown because it's obviously not just like any one player's fault. We watch the like mistake after mistake after mistake that usually leads to our goals. And I think that like the biggest thing is we do a good mix in film of good and bad and just like realizing the stark difference of like when we do go into tackles hard versus when we don't or when we do right. keep our feet versus when we don't. And I think that like, we really utilize film in that way of being able to like highlight the good and also see like how different it truly does look when we don't do that, like do those defensively. Right. And I also think that every time we let up a goal, like we will sit there and break it down and we will like, it sucks, but like we will tell each individual who did something wrong, like you will know. And I think we did, our coaches do a really good job of doing it in like a constructive way but like everyone, it's the personal responsibility that it goes back to. And Tara tells me every time what I should have done differently. And it's never easy to hear. But I think our team also does a really good job of taking it in a constructive way, taking it in a way that like, okay, I have something to build on and I'm going to apply it at practice this week. Right. And I guess in a sense, like everyone being told what they did wrong also makes it makes players know that it's not some random personal thing or some random I'm getting treated worse than someone else thing. It's sort of like, it's, it sounds like the opposite of like everyone having to get quote unquote ragged on or called out would be harder, but it actually, I could see it being easier because you know, it's not like a shit coach is really going hard at me every week. It's like everyone gets, cause it's meant to help, right? It's meant to be helpful. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, just a quick break to let you let everyone know this week's episode is brought to you by Pence Homes. Pence Homes is a real estate team with Keller Williams. I personally have experience uh, working with Nate and Lydia. They helped us buy the house I live in now and sell the house we moved out of. I'll live two blocks away in Midway, a fun, silly move that, that people can tease me for. Uh, Nate's been a supporter of local soccer, uh, the local soccer community, including as an owner of the Minnesota women's soccer team. And uh, we enjoyed working with one of their preferred lenders, Andy Shear, with Luminate Financing. So if any viewers have any house questions, uh, buying, selling, needing, you know, home improvements, shoot them a message, pentomes.com. And look, oh, and I forgot, look, mid-show, we're adding this fun banner. Look how on it I am that I remember to do that. All right. So let's jump back in. Let's talk eligibility. I know this question is sort of like absurd to ask midseason. It has nothing to do with the run of play this year. But the eligibility, especially for U3, is really funny to track. Uh, Meg Gray, you're a you're a boring regular four year player, so you don't have any you don't have any spice to yours. Plashko, um, let me know if I think I get this right. So, which is typical for keepers, you weren't playing that first year, so that I think is a red shirt. You played last spring, so that season one. You played this fall, that season two. But people technically have five seasons, so I believe maybe you have three seasons theoretically after this. That may or may not be correct. We'll see. I have um, – last year didn't count for us as a year of eligibility right. because of corona. Right, right, right. So I, I couldn't play – yeah. I three, don't know. Yeah. I don't even know. Three, I yeah, I added that one in. So I think you have three again. Not a super relevant math equation, but I'm sure viewers came here for my arithmetic. Kenna, you came in the same fall as Meg, but you had that medical red shirt after the the leg injury, right? And so you theoretically have like the two more, even though you're a senior, you have the medical red shirt and the COVID one. And yeah. I know, and I know at this point, basically every upperclassman on this team is basically drifting into grad school already, even without the extra year. So I don't know how many bonus grad degrees people have to think about. <laughs> when they're thinking about this question, but um, uh, what's, I mean, what are the conversations like even amongst teams, even in just like a casual setting or when you're bullshitting about the classes you have to register for or whatever is going on? Like, how are you all thinking about those extra years, especially maybe not for you, Plashko, you're, you're a little ways away, but like for like Meg Gray and Kenna, like how are older players thinking about stuff like that? Is it just something that won't come up until you do one-on-ones postseason, or is it something where you might have like personal goals for it. You know, like I think Patricia mentioned, like she does want to use her year, but the conversations just don't happen yet. But how do those conversations happen amongst teammates and even amongst like you individually? Um, I think there's definitely like one-on-one conversations with the coaching staff, just kind of gauging like your own interest in coming back and then kind of where they're coming from. And then I think like between us seniors, a lot of it, at least for me personally, and considering the decision is like, well, what are what are my girls doing? Like we get yeah. so close and you kind of go through the program with your same class. So there is like certainly a social element. And then you also have to consider school. Like you mentioned, I'm going to be graduating with my master's degree this spring. So it's like, how much more can you really do? But um, yeah, you definitely have to consider like academic, the academic aspect. And then, I mean, normally people would maybe go get a job and stuff after graduating so there's also like an employment aspect there's a lot of different things at play but um, lots of conversations between each other with the coaching staff with our families and stuff just to kind of consider everything right yeah i 
I think a lot of it has to do with like for me academically. Um, so I won't be coming back next year. I got accepted into PT school mm-hmm. at the U. So I'm going to start in July. Um, obviously very sad, but I think just like I'll still be at the games and stuff like that and obviously still hang around the girls. But yeah, a lot of it's like just the per- personal kind of decision, like obviously basing it off of our class and like kind of has another year of eligibility more than me. So it kind of makes sense. Um, but just in the sense that I knew that I wanted to go to PT school a while ago. And so kind of just getting on with it, I guess, is it's hard, but it just makes the most sense for me personally. I know. I'm just like, even hearing you say that, I'm like having all of my emotions right now. But in a sense, I'm also <laughs> glad you told me now. So I have time to like process this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, front even though it's like i have to deal with that burden now and yeah. also pt school you guys i have like a i have a problem with pt school in general because it also was like april bakken did it which meant she yeah. wasn't able to play soccer for free so that i could be a fan of her anymore which is like pt school is on my is on my shit list at this point <laughs> like i'm sure you'll be a very successful professional in like that's physical therapy, right? Am I getting the acronym correct or am I yes. guessing? Yes, okay. correct. That's how smart I am. I don't <laughs> the only the only benefit I will say to the grad school thing, and Kenna, you can correct this. I can't remember which player I was talking to about this, is that when you're an NCAA athlete in you know undergrad, your minimum credits is whatever, 12 or 11 or 13, whatever the full-time thing is. Mm-hmm. And then if you're a grad student, the minimum is six credits, right? Yeah. So... Just, just saying, I, I've already, you know, conversationally tried to research some grad programs for Alana, like try and suggest some options for Delaney. So we'll, <laughs> we'll find some six credit enrollment options for some of these ballers. The funny thing is for Minnesota, you all have such a, like a lean roster too. So I think, I don't, I don't know how the coaches are dealing with the conversations, but you know, other teams you've played have like 30 players on the roster. So it's bonkers. Yeah. All right. So let's, Let's jump into to a couple questions about you all are vets at this point, been around for a long time, played multiple years, and certainly been around the team for multiple years. And I think one thing I'm curious about is how you all like think about all these these rookies who have come in in the fall who we've got to see little bits and pieces. You know, we've got to see little little flashes of, of minutes from, you know, Jade and Ainsley, these players who haven't gotten a ton of shine. And um, I'll also say, you know, Overberg, Donovan, Kaya Harper, we're not giving you more shine in this show. You had your own show, so you don't expect more attention. Okay, you got your own. But let's jump in. Uh, Plashko, let's start with you. Your keeper crew, you have a couple of freshmen with you hanging out in the keeper room. Tell us about, you know, in training day in and day out. I've been, I've been there a couple of times seeing how you all rotate when you do the full-sided stuff. But just in general, you know, Ter- for those who haven't followed closely, Taryn Reitzba and Alec Isaacs are the other keepers. They're both freshmen. Talk about what they bring, you know, day in and day out um, that maybe folks who are only watching games don't get to see. Yeah, I would say it was definitely a transition going from having Maddie and Anna kind of be like the leaders, like the older girls, to all of a sudden being the only non-freshman goalkeeper. So it was definitely something they both came in actually really early this summer, which was super nice because we could kind of just like start getting an idea of the environment but i definitely think they come in every day with so much energy they're always so excited for training 
and they we push each other every single day like we know how good each and every one of us can be and we don't let each other like fall under that standard I think Taryn and Alex do a really good job of always trying to help push me and like tell me no like you can get that ball or no like next one like don't let it get in your head and I try and always do that for them I think that we rotate and take equal reps all the time in practice because every single like I know from last year like you always have to be ready to step up and I think that's the mindset that we try and like remind each other of is that like you pushing me not only makes you better but it makes a person next to you better and that only like continuously raises the level and goalkeeper training like we're out there almost every day 30 minutes early so it's just us three and Tara so I think the environment like weekly gets even better and better we're always pushing each other and they've made such like big strides this year like the difference between the first practice and where we are right now they're doing so well and you can see so much confidence growing in both of them and it's been really fun to watch and I just like I really enjoy having them around I think that they're great people they're super fun to train with and they always we're always pushing each other to like Mm -hmm. our limits but we can also find that time to like have fun in training and kind of goof off Mm -hmm. nice and let's so for some and for some field players, I think if folks have watched every single game, they probably saw snippets of, you know, Ainsley got out there uh, both in one of the scrimmages, you know, in Fargo, and then she got some minutes in that Wyoming game, um, and then a couple other like young folks like Jaden Peck early on when the forward rotation was still sort of in for in you know flux a little bit had those little snippets where like I saw flashes that were really fun at least like super energetic, willing to be a pest especially if we get to a point where like the press is fully on again, I'm just going to wish that into fruition next fall. Maybe we'll like run a super high press and I'll be able to just drink that in. Who's, who's to say if that will happen or not. Um, but you know, Jaden Ainsley, a couple other younger folks who maybe aren't um, getting a ton, a ton of minutes, but I've seen little flashes, you know, what have you all seen from them in training in terms of just really helping the crew? Cause with a couple of the players who are injured, Every healthy player is probably doing a ton in practice, at least having to like play in every drill, play in every small sided, all those things. So um, for some of those field players like uh, Jaden or Ainsley or, or whoever else that maybe isn't getting starter here in rotation shine in games, what have they been bringing in training that you all have seen? Um, I can start. Uh, I think for both of them, they really just bring like a willingness to learn. I think like for Ainsley, especially, it's really hard to break into the back line as a freshman. And there's a lot to learn, just like staying with the line, knowing when to jump, like different tactical things that do take like a lot of practice and game minutes to really get down. She's always so willing to learn, always asking for feedback. And I think that's a really good way to kind of own her role and then just make her more ready to step into it when she gets the opportunity. Um, and I also think just the mentality that all those girls approach, like any extra work that they need to do just to stay sharp and ready for games. Like it's not always the most glamorous stuff having to do like extra fitness or extra technical, but they they always bring a great attitude and a really strong mentality to it. And it's just really great to see because I know that when they get their opportunity, they're going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going off what Kenna said, I think, like one word or a phrase that comes to my mind is like hard work. I mean, it's never easy to come in as a freshman when you're used to being like the star of your club or high school team and not really getting the opportunity on the field as, or the playing time you would have liked. But I think just coming in with the open mind, like Kenna said, um, being willing to learn and like 
also us like reminding them that we were in that position once like you work your way up and all of the hard work and stuff you're doing now is going to pay off in the in the seasons to come so i think just kind of being there for them and telling them that like you can't get in your head about this stuff like this is how like college soccer works and you kind of have to work your way up so i think that's really important for us to to kind of be there for them Right. And I'm sure and I'm sure in some of those freshmen's heads, they're like, uh, whatever, Megan, Kenna, you were playing minutes from day one. You don't know what's up, but they they need only to look at a player like Delaney or like Plashko. You had to go through, you know, the the earning your role like year where like you can go like even even if you're not starting or playing rotation minutes from minute one, it doesn't mean you're not going to be an impact player and it doesn't mean you're not going to be like literally a captain of the team, literally a big time rotation player, like even Alana, you know, Alana had that, the the time of having to grow into a role and then was such a stud in her, you know, in her starting year too. So yeah, freshman out there, keep, keep it up, keep working. That's great. All right. And we have one last segment to do. This is, we need to make sure we get players out of here because players are going to lift and I don't need Corey trying to break me in half. So we're going to keep on, on track here. So Here's what we're going to do. You you all have some fairly high-flying coaches uh, that were very accomplished in their own careers. We're going to do a little bit of trivia here, and it will it will not be too brutal. Don't worry. Uh, I'm not putting you in a position to fail here. So you we won't have you – you don't have to write this down, but try and have the number in your head. We're going to have you try and guess the first two. We're going to have you try and guess a number. So first, let's start with Aaron. Head coach Aaron Chastain played with the Gophers – then was Erin Hussey. She has she's on the career leaderboard for like twelve different categories, including points, assists, all these things. So she there's one thing that she has more uh, more in the stats column than Maya Hayes, and it's assists, career assists. She actually has the most, more than Maya, which is a lot because Maya has a lot of everything. So what I want you to do is, can you guess how many career assists Erin had as a player? And we'll go. Wait and put the number in your head, and then we'll go around and we'll guess. So let me know when you all have your number. Okay. I got my number. Okay. Okay, okay let's go. Kenna, we can start with you. How many do you think, Aaron? Um, I'm going to guess 54. Okay. Plashko, what do you think? 62. Meg Gray? 76. These are... You know what? This is good that you're flattering her. She actually had 25 career assists, but I'm glad that you were I'm glad that you were going high. I'm glad. She had 83 career points. She played in 82 games or and 29 goals, 25 assists. I actually think sort of the most impressive thing about her career is she was a three-year captain, which is like bonkers town. Like that's like crazy. So let's move on to Maya. Maya uh had, you know roughly a billion everything as a stud at Penn State during her collegiate career. But I want you to try and guess how many goals she had oh, in her in her Penn State career. Oh, do you already know? Do folks know? No. No, we've talked we make fun of her a lot because there's this video of her and we talked about <laughs> her practice. Okay, that's good. So let's so let me know when you have your numbers. I'm guessing 82. 82 goals? What do you think, Plashko? Like 60. 60. I'm doing 60 even. What do you think, Ken? Um, 78. 
That's well, I guess if we're going prices right rules, Plashko would win. She had 71 goals. Which is which is, by the way, an insane amount of goals. Yeah. Bonkers. That's bonkers town. I, I'm not sure that in my entire time covering the gophers, the team has scored 71 goals. Total. That's like that's like crazy goals. Now let's now let's move on. This is gonna be a we're gonna go around and you'll each just have to guess until there are no more left. So Allie Wisner. The new the coach that just started this fall for folks who are not super familiar had a had a really legit pro, pro playing career. She played for a few clubs in the U.S. and in a few countries. And so I want to go around and see if you can guess either a club in the U.S. So in the NWSL or a country she played in overseas. And we'll go one by one. I know one she played in. She played in Japan for sure. Okay, so Plashko went first with Japan. Meg Gray, you can go next. I don't know. Orlando Pride. Yep, that's yep, that's another one. Kenna. <laughs> um, NC Courage. No, just throwing a guess out there. <laughs> nope, nope. So so Ken so Kenna, we'll say you're out. We'll have the Megan <laughs> going. So, Flashko, what's your next guess? Uh, the Utah team, Salt Lake. So we are gonna we're gonna allow that to count because she did go into preseason camp with them before yeah, retiring. So we will count that because I'm because I'm nice. And then Meg Gray, what's your next guess? For the for for the record, there are two countries left and two clubs left. So four total options. Hmm. Germany. Yep. Flash. <laughs> Nice, Meg. Um, did she play for Kansas City? Yes. Wow, this is I'm very so Meg Gray, there's one club and one country left. Let's see it, Meg. Russia. No, sorry. That's a decent guess, though. And now Plashko, if you can name one, you'll take it. Otherwise, I'll call it a tie between you two. I start okay. Um I don't know country. Um I don't think if she does she speak any other languages. I don't know. <laughs> Portland, Tim Portland Thorns. It was close. She played in Seattle. So the last two were Seattle and Belgium. So mm -hmm. and by the way, if I got those wrong, Allie can seek up her corrections with the Gopher Soccer website, which is where that's listed. So we can <laughs> The, so the last the last one, and uh, Plashko, you should have an edge in this. So Tara Hobbs steps in, the goalkeeper coach, played under Tara Hobbs uh, when she was when she was suiting up, is top five in Gopher history in basically every goalkeeping career category. But which one does she rank highest in? So you can all try and have it in your head. Oh, don't say it. I don't, don't know if you're gonna. I, I don't know if this counts, but saves in a game, she holds the record, I think. So this is for career stats. So for career stats. So just try and think of it in your head. 
Um, wait, do I do we guess now? So do you all have it? Yeah. Okay, we'll start. with Kenna, we'll let you start. Which category she holds the record? Yeah, which which career stat she she ranks um, highest in? She's top five in all of them. Okay, I'm gonna guess shutouts. And what and Plashko and Gray, what were your guesses? Mine was shutouts. Save percentage. So it was shutouts. Although I will say save percentage is not listed. So Plashko, you might be right, but it is not listed. But shutouts is right. She had 33 shutouts in 81 games. So that's wow. pretty that's pretty wild. So that's great. Okay. I'm glad we got to do some throwback and make you all put on your coaching era hats. That's great. So thanks so much for joining us. We have Megan Plashko and Megan Gray top right, Kenna Beisman down in the middle. You all play Illinois Thursday night, I believe at 8 p.m. and it's on cable. This one's on Big Big Ten, so nationally televised. Uh, what, I mean, I guess, what are you all preparing for for Illinois? Like if for folks who haven't watched them, you know, what are you gonna need to do to do well against them? Well, we haven't really done our full film on okay. them yet, but I would say just coming out and something we've really been focusing on this past couple of games is setting the tone in the first five of each half and just going out there, protecting ELR. I mean, we only have two home games guaranteed left. So just like taking that and putting it into the game and showing that like it's our home field and we want to protect it and just really coming out, trying to get a win, obviously trying to get us points in Big Ten standings, like really just putting ourselves in a position to get momentum for a Big Ten tournament. All right. That's great. Congrats, guys. We have, yeah, as you said, a couple home games left, four games total left. Uh, need to get into the top eight in the Big Ten to make the tournament. I know you all will get there. Let's let's start a run here, these final four. And thanks so much for joining us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.